Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. I wonder if Bud Light thinks there's a price low enough. Uh, Nicole in Danville, Indiana sent me a tweet and I appreciated it very much and Nicole even got the follow back. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Guys, what's going down? Good to be with you. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. And as she says, I snapped this photo at a Walmart in Danville, Indiana. Not too far from me to the west of Indianapolis. And it's a picture of stacks of Bud Light. And it says, everyday low price, $1.78. Now, of course, it could be photoshopped. It could be uh, AI. I don't know. It was the dark web. I have no idea. Or as they would say on Letterkenny, dark web. It could be simply mispriced. It could be uh, the the sign for an, another item that's a dollar seventy eight. But but that's what it looks like, right? Bud Light, a buck seventy eight. The question is not whether or not they're charging $1.78 for Bud Light. The question is, is there a price low enough for people to return to it? That's the question. And as a a matter of, of business and of marketing, has Bud Light figured out that it has gotten this bad? that the the boycott conversation isn't going anywhere it's actually growing because it's easy bud light suffers from making this awful mistake of connecting with dylan mulvaney it was an awful mistake it was terrible marketing and they were led by a woman Alyssa heiderschneid Heinerscheid, 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 there we go, Alyssa Heinerscheid, who is wholly ideological. When you listen to her talk about, well, we have to bring Bud Light out of the doldrums, and it was kind of a fading brand, and, and you know, known for its fratty humor, meaning frat boy humor, we have to, how, how, do you, how do you change things? Well, it has to be, you know, light and bright and inclusive. Oh, holy hell. It's beer. You have to tell me how much it is and you have to let me drink it without being bothered. These are the two things. I mean, if, if you're marketing to me, tell me about the beer. Tell me it's good. Give me a, a price that works and that's enough. For most people, it's just give me a price that works. Tell me how I'm going to feel when I drink it, and we're done. If you were to take a look at the entirety of Nike's advertising, you know what Nike doesn't talk about? The shoes. Nike doesn't talk about the shoes. Even when when they had the ad campaign with, with, with Spike Lee, Oh, what was the character he played? More was it Morris? It wasn't Morris. Mars Blackman. Mars Blackman was. I was saying Morris. Uh, that character with it's got to be the shoes, but it's never a discussion of the construction of the shoe. It is a question of how that swoosh makes you feel. 
Nike's entire business model, or advertising model, I should say, is predicated on the idea that they can make you feel something with that swoosh. That says something about you. And that connection is stronger than whatever is happening with your feet. That's pretty amazing. But that's real advertising. That's pure genius. Creating that emotional connection. Who has really done it better? Apple? In in the creation of emotional connection to, for, for a person to a brand. You want to be like Mike. You don't want to have a shoe that has good art support. You just want to be like Mike. And that's why you bought it. With Bud Light and the, the, the mistake that they made, part of the reason the boycott was, was so uh, effective and is effective to this day is that it's so easy to do. Boycotting Bud Light meant you simply move yourself over to Miller Light. That's all you had to do. Simple, easy, effective, done. Boycotting Nike? I'm sorry, you were buying a lot of Nike anyway. It didn't work. It had no effect. For example, Colin Kaepernick takes a knee in the NFL game, right? Former quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers. He takes a knee. Did nothing for society, by the way. Policing, uh, police relations aren't better, and and policing's not better. Uh, You've moved the defund the police movement, and therefore have gotten more people killed and more people harmed. So, bravo, if you think Colin Kaepernick really moved the needle. Well, he did it for me. That's what Dave Chappelle said. Chappelle should go back to that special. I think that's uh, under the Bird Revelation special and realize, yeah, he was wrong. Because he was wrong. That's all. Still funny as hell. Still super bright. Just wrong on that one. Hey, sometimes you get it wrong. But no boycott of Nike was going to work Because, well, the people who would boycott weren't the core of the brand. And even the people who thought Nike was wrong for supporting Colin Kaepernick were still buying Jordans for their kids. Just couldn't work. This takes us over to Adidas. This whole thing about um, the, uh, the ads that they're doing now for these bathing suits that are for, are they for men who claim they're women? I don't even understand what's going on because the ad campaign involves men in one-piece bathing suits. It does. I'm trying to figure out what this is about. Is this about its Pride 2023 launch? Oh, because it's going to be Pride Month. And to have Pride Month, you got to be able to show that you're okay with people who are gay by putting men into a woman's bathing suit. Man, it is incredible the lengths to which, the extent to which, these people don't understand the difference between gay and transgender. It's so insulting. Uh, Look, if you're gay out there, I don't know why these people like to insult you so much. 
I don't know why they think uh, that you as a gay man want to be in a woman's bathing suit. I don't get it. I don't, I don't, uh, they, they don't, they don't understand you at all. As a matter of fact, they hate you. Now, that's the worst part. You did all the fighting, gay men and gay women. You were there at Stonewall. And, I mean, Stonewall is still story. Stonewall should be told. You did all the work to try and get to the concept that we used to think mattered called equality. You just want to be able to live your life, baby. You want to be able to walk down the street holding the hand of the person that you love and not get physically attacked for it. You know what? Damn straight. And good on you. Now you've been replaced by a guy who claims to be a prepubescent teen girl and is making millions and millions of dollars off of your hard work. And if you should say, you know what, I'm not down for the whole T part of LGBT, you get vilified and excoriated and thrown out to the other side. You get pushed to the side. But if you were now going to say to Adidas, you've got this Pride 2023 collection and you're going to be using men to model your swimwear? My gosh, I'm never gonna buy Adidas again. Oh yeah? Okay. The vast majority of people have a connection to Adidas. They've got something they look at and they say, I want this as part of my brand. And they're not about to change that. And this ad campaign doesn't change that. It is much harder much harder, by leaps and bounds to make that change. It's like the people at Target who are selling clothing now for kids that involves tucking. I, what, you want me to make this up? I can't make this up. I don't have any way of making this up. It's very, very real and very true. They are selling this clothing. Here, hold on. I'll 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 do the search. Hold on. Just a simple. We'll, we'll just we'll just target into a to a little search there, and then uh, we'll take a look at uh, the, the the news uh, part. Right. The, you click on 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 news, um, and it's uh, how about a target? Well. Well, the big story is that Target expects a $1 billion in inventory loss this year amid a surge in retail theft. Oh, okay. But the other story is that um, it's selling uh, baby clothing or clothing for children that offers the ability to tuck your private parts. Target offering tuck bathing suits for women with male private parts. That's weird. It's not weird that somebody may want that. Oh, you might think it's weird. But I mean, you can offer that. Target said, you know what? This is a big part of our business. Let's go out there and, and uh, you know, provide for that part of the business. That's very odd. That's very odd. Very, very odd. I was on Newsmax earlier this week. And I got asked about these things, about the Adidas thing and about the Target thing. And this was my response to Bob Sellers 
when he was asking the question of, of what I think is going on. Because you got to admit, the Bud Light stuff, Target stuff, Adidas stuff, what is all of this? People didn't learn from Bud Light. They're still doing this. Why? How is that possible? What is actually going on? I espouse the theory. There is something clearly going on that has these companies realizing that if they don't do it, they'll lose money or lose opportunity. But if they do it, they'll gain opportunity, even if they take some hits in the publicity side of things. That has to be the answer. It's always follow the money, right? And this has to be a follow the money, whether this is about ESG and the kind of investing that comes uh, from that institutional side. Uh, playing in these in these spaces has purpose. And to say that all these companies are moving because everybody on those boards is ideological isn't prop isn't probably the case. Much more the case is the people who are investing in them are ideological. And thus, this is what you do. I don't believe that I'm far off. There's no other rational answer to what it is that we're seeing and what it is that we're experiencing. Because as a a bit of, of business, it doesn't make sense. There's no win in this in terms of customers. There's just not enough customers to make this worthwhile. So why would you do it? There was no need for Bud Light to do this. And with Bud Light, one could argue this was an ideological person who was going to really change the culture of Bud Light. Well, Bud Light got rid of her, but don't you worry. She's going to have another job soon. She'll be lauded as a hero. She will win awards for this marketing campaign that cost Bud Light millions of dollars. And remember, I I was here saying, can we hold off? Can we just see what happens? Don't tell me it's over for Bud Light after day three. Can we see what happens? Well, it's been a month. It's really bad for Bud Light. I mean, that's just, you can just see it. Now you can talk about it. Now you've got numbers. Overall sales down 1%. Bud Light sales down 21% uh, as of the fiscal year, while sales of Miller Light and Coors Light are up 21%. That's bad. But why would Adidas do this? Why would Target do this? And you tell me, well, it's ideological. There comes a moment where not everything is that. And what I mean is that I don't disagree that they're ideological. And they've got board members who are ridiculous fools ideological fools what i'm saying is that it has to be about more it has to be about more than that somewhere dollars flow because they do these things now the question is where are those dollars coming from who has those dollars and this is the connection between the activism that we're seeing and the ESG conversation. 
environmental social governance, which is that you're, you're hearing about Governor Ron DeSantis fighting this and others. This idea that investing takes place of large institutional dollars, not based on the return that the company can bring or company fundamentals, but on whether or not uh, they they do enough to take care of the environment and whether or not they, they're, they're focused on, on racism and whether or not uh, they use pronouns, things that have nothing to do with running a business. We saw this with the collapse of Silicon Valley Bank. These are people who actually held events held events teaching how to use the proper pronoun. Like that mattered. What mattered was engaging the fiduciary responsibility to your clients. That's what mattered. What mattered was making sure that their money was safe. That's not what they did. They didn't care about that. What they cared about were training videos that showed their employees how to be inclusive. This, in my view, is about the ESG. And this is about the major investing taking place on the top. They figure they can take a publicity hit, but that's okay as long as they're pushing this stuff down your throat. That's what the, the, the investors want. Therefore, that's what we're going to do. Fighting ESG is extremely important, but it's important to see how these things connect. Now, it could be that I'm wrong. It could be that I'm wrong. But someone's going to have to prove that one to me. And I'm going to keep doing what I do, breaking it down, trying to connect the dots. What I know is if you're selling me Bud Light for a buck 79 a case, it's tempting. But I'll pass. I'm Tony Katz. So according to the sources, and you know how the, the sources are, Chris Christie, the former governor of New Jersey, is going to announce a run for president of the United States in the coming days. Oh, God! O-M-G. Are you kidding me right now? I am not. However, I will pay a bajillion dollars for the person who can find me the Chris Christie constituency. Who are the people out there saying, I don't want Trump and I can't stand Ron DeSantis? Ah, Sonny D. I mean, Chris Christie. Who are these magical unicorns? I don't believe the... I more believe that Meghan and Harry were involved in a car chase in New York than I believe there is a constituency for Chris Christie. Come now. That's just silly. This is ridiculous. But... According to the New York Post, I have been proven wrong because there is such a unicorn. It turns out that Anthony Scaramucci, the mooch, he is going to back Chris Christie in the primary and expects 
a couple other big-time financial donors like the owner of the New York Mets, Steve Cohen, to bankroll the campaign. Oh, well, this should get interesting. I'm Tony Katz. This whistleblower of the FBI, and there was more uh, than one, these whistleblowers who appeared in front of the House committee yesterday uh, to say what the FBI is doing is simply wrong. How the FBI is acting is simply wrong. And if if you're like us and you're part of the FBI and you're going to speak out about how the FBI is working, you're going to get destroyed. Now, one can argue that from the hearing yesterday, we didn't get much detail, as, as the, the leftist outlets want to argue. We didn't get much detail about, well, what specifically is going wrong. I'll leave that to others to kind of parse and break down, and we'll get more into it in, in the weeks ahead because the story's not going away. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Good to be with you. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. We understand that the FBI has failed us. We understand that the organization is suspect. And it's never the rank and file guys, is it? Although there can be plenty of them who are suspect or or a small number who are suspect. It's the leadership conversation. Comey, McCabe, Strzok, now Ray. They're the questionable people. Highly political, who have made the FBI highly political. You understand that those top people got to those top positions because of the politics. And they have destroyed the organization. People can dismiss the Durham report from now until the end of time. It shows you how political James Comey and Andrew McCabe were from the beginning. It shows you how political their connected people were from the beginning. How completely disconnected they were from actually investigating crimes. Not that there weren't members of the FBI investigating crimes, but that they were willing to try and undo an election, to interfere in an election. Because that's what Hillary Clinton was doing. They knew Hillary Clinton invented this Trump-Russia connection through her campaign in this fever dream, the stuff from Fusion GPS and the Steele dossier. They knew it. And you know what they said? Investigate it anyway. Let's put the country through hell. That's what they did. That's how they abused their power. And so did Barack Obama. And so did then Vice President Biden. And so did the rest. And when people talk about the fact that, man, this was a coup. Well, what else would you call it? A picnic? It was what it was. And it is what it is. And now you've got these FBI members who are out there and they're, they're, they're whistleblowers. Now, if you were to listen to the political left, these people aren't whistleblowers. If you listen to the political left, these people don't matter. They shouldn't be trusted. It's it's amazing. I'm so old. I remember when whistleblowers were patriots. People to be respected and adored and people to be listened to because they put so much on the line. Now, a whistleblower is sizzling hot garbage. Debbie Wasserman Schultz, she's amongst the people saying that these aren't even real whistleblowers. 
Mr. Yeah. Mr. Chairman, it I recognizes it's I'm inquiring and I was not. And I've told inquiring. you that when it comes to whistleblowers, you are not entitled to it. That's these at the discretion of Mr. Allen. Mr. Chairman, these individuals have been determined not, not to be whistleblowers. To these are not whistleblowers. They've been determined by the agency not to be whistleblowers. Are you deciding that they're whistleblowers? Yes, the law decides. Did you not listen to Mr. Levitt's testimony? Do you not read the law? The his law decides that they are whistleblowers. Can you imagine how the press would have responded if Jim Jordan said these aren't whistleblowers? Well, you don't have to imagine. You've seen that. It's one heck of an allegation, one heck of a statement. The, the, are you saying the FBI determined they're not whistleblowers? Dear Lord. Now we have to ask ourselves who gets to decide who the whistleblower is. And of course, the whistleblower is decided based upon how much they're helpful to uh, the political party that wants to be helped. As opposed to in being engaged in a conversation of decency, recognizing that our institutions are in trouble, we would rather continue the political attacks. Now, I said I was going to share a fair amount of this. This was Garrett O'Boyle, FBI whistleblower, talking about the weaponization of our own government against the people. Listen. Chairman Jordan, members of the committee, thank you for addressing FBI malfeasance and allowing me to speak today. Aside from that point of gratitude, I'm sad, I'm disappointed, and I'm angry that I have to be here to testify about the weaponization of the FBI and DOJ. Weaponization against not only its own employees, but against those institutions and individuals that are supposed to protect the American people. I'm here today because even though I'm wrongfully suspended from the FBI, I remain duty-bound to the American people to play my small role in rectifying these issues. After all, I never swore an oath to the FBI. I swore an oath to the Constitution. I've served my nation and community my entire adult life, first in the United States Army, then as a police officer, and lastly as an FBI special agent. Shortly after high school, I joined the United States Army where I served in the infantry and I was quickly promoted through the ranks. I deployed to both Iraq and Afghanistan in support of Operation Iraqi Freedom and Operation Enduring Freedom. I served in the historic 101st Airborne Division. I received the Combat Infantryman's Badge, which is awarded to those infantrymen who engage in ground combat with our nation's enemies. So as we can see, this is just a schlub off the street. That's all he is, just a schlub off the streets. We speed up a little bit in his testimony. Shortly thereafter, I began the long road to becoming an FBI special agent, a position I once understood to be the pinnacle of law enforcement and a way to continue to serve this nation and protect and defend the Constitution. During my four years as a special agent, I received the highest annual review an employee can receive. I volunteered for, tried out for, and was selected for an FBI SWAT team. I also volunteered for, tried out for, and was selected for a new unit the FBI created. I also received an award for my work on an anti-abortion extremism case. I've been smeared as a malcontent and subpar FBI employee. This smear stands in stark contrast to my life in public service. This smear campaign, disgusting as it is, is unsurprising. Despite our oath to uphold the Constitution, too many in the FBI aren't willing to sacrifice for the hard right over the easy wrong. They see what becomes of whistleblowers, how the FBI destroys their careers, suspends them under false pretenses, takes their security clearances and pay with no true options for real recourse or remedy. This is by design. Oh, so now we're talking about what happens if you say things like he's saying. He went further on that subject. 
corruption, weaponization, any kind of misconduct that exists with the American people. It doesn't solve it. But the FBI will crush you. This government will crush you and your family if you try to expose the truth about things that they are doing that are wrong. And we are all examples of that. I can't think of a more sobering way to end a hearing. I yield back. That was Congressman Armstrong. That's one heck of a statement. We're saying that this guy made it up. He's, he's, he's making up that the FBI engages in retribution. Congressman Matt Gates asking the questions, and he details how the FBI dealt with his family for speaking out. Mr. O'Boyle, what, the ranking member said that when people break the law, they deserve the consequences they get. And it doesn't matter that they served in the military. So what law did you break before the FBI packed up all your stuff and moved it across the country to Virginia? No true law. The only thing I broke was not towing the line for the FBI. Like I said when I opened, my oath is to the Constitution, not to the FBI. And our laws provide you avenues to talk to Congress, to talk to your supervisors about those concerns, right? Correct. And so you didn't deviate from that, did you? No. You didn't, you didn't go to the media first, did you? No. You used what the law provided, and your family has paid an exquisite price for that, haven't they? They have. How old were your children when they moved you across the country? <clears throat> Six, five, three, and two weeks. A two-week-old baby. Could you get your stuff? Six weeks later. Oh, so for six weeks, almost every possession to your name the FBI had and wouldn't give back to you. How, how did you... What, what time of year was it? Was it winter, summer? When I reported, it was in September. This story is that the FBI... Um, after Special Agent Garrett O'Boyle reported illegal activity in the agency, uh, what happened was was that on his first day, he was placed on unpaid indefinite suspension, which basically rendered him homeless. And the FBI deprived them of their personal belongings, including his kids' clothing, which the FBI kept in storage. Because after he made these disclosures about what he saw as illegal activity, the FBI reassigned him to a different department that forced him to move to Virginia. And then in that move, they said, you know what? We're watching this. We're going to investigate this. And we're going to hold all your stuff. As people often say about being charged by the government, you can beat the rat, but you can't beat the ride. This is the stuff that happens. This is what ha- this is if you are a rational person who believes that America is different as I do if you believe that America is exceptional as I do you realize these aren't the american things these are the north korean things and yet when we see people regarding January 6th, no matter what you think of January 6th, being held in solitary confinement, not having access to their lawyers, those are the North Korean things. When you see this story, those are the North Korean things, not the American things. Back to Mr. Boyle. I'm sorry, Mr. O'Boyle. Uh, so when we were traveling 
it was summertime essentially, so we had basically summer clothes, but then we were uh, basically stranded uh, in Wisconsin, which is where we're from. It gets cold there pretty pretty quick. And well, I'll take your word for it. I'm a Florida man, but what what was it like when you had to go and explain to your wife that you didn't have coats for your children because the FBI wouldn't give them back to you? It was horrible. I mean, we were uh, asking family for uh, clothes and. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, it was a difficult time. Yeah. You, were, you became a charity case, didn't you? I did. And now I get derided for that. I never thought I'd have to accept charity in my life. I thought I would be able to take care of my family. But I'm grateful for everyone who has provided charity to me. That even includes a former colleague's uh, church. I would name the church to give them recognition, but I'm too worried that the FBI would send informants to infiltrate that church as well. Yeah, well, they've already done that with the Catholics. I yield back. Yes, yes, they have. The story here grows. I don't think you and I have to ask ourselves uh, in, in much detail whether we think that the FBI is corrupt. We believe that it is. We believe that it is from the top, not necessarily from the rank and file. But when we see the retribution side, we rationally engage in a recoil. What? That's happening in America? That's happening in America. We've seen this again and again. And even though we know it, and we could probably walk together, you and me sitting on a bar stool having a bourbon, we could walk through the places where the government has engaged in retribution against the citizen, where the citizen is scared of the government. Oh, hell no. Let them be afraid of me. Screw them. They could be replaced. I'm the citizen. I matter most. You matter most. But this retaliation, this retaliation is not something that we should just look at and say, huh, oh well, no big deal. It's a big deal. And as I was describing earlier, it's amazing to see the political left treated as no big deal when they're bringing up tweets that were never written. This Linda Sanchez story is too much. Representative Linda Sanchez, did you hear her question of one of the whistleblowers, Mr. Allen? Oh, I'm forgetting his first name right now. Marcus Allen is his name. And did you, oh, you didn't, if you missed it earlier, here, let me play it for you again, what Democrat Representative Linda Sanchez is doing on this committee. On December 5th, 2022, an account under the name Marcus Allen retweeted a tweet that said, That is not my account, ma'am. You haven't let me finish the question, sir. Football player. You haven't let me finish the question. Wait a second. Are you asking a witness named Marcus Allen about a tweet from a guy named Marcus Allen, and you're not sure that the guy you're asking the question to is the guy who wrote the tweet? Thank you. Mr. Allen, have you ever used Twitter? Yes or no? I have utilized Twitter, yes. Okay, and is your account at Marcus A97050645? That is absolutely not my account. Okay, that's not your account. Well, on December 5th, 2022, an account under the name Marcus Allen 
retweeted a tweet that said, That quote, is not my account, ma'am. I, you haven't let me finish the question, you sir. Might have been the football player. You haven't let me finish the question. On Dece- and the time is mine. On December 5th, 2022, an account under the name of Marcus Allen retweeted a tweet that said, quote, Nancy Pelosi staged January 6th, retweet if you agree, end quote. Do you agree with that statement? Yes or no? Now, the FBI whistleblower did not agree with the statement, but you understand that she's asking a question about a a tweet he never wrote. She thought he wrote it. He didn't write it. She's still moving forward. That's how these people are treated. Political pawns, not real people. Political attacks, not what is it that they are trying to say. You should be disgusted because all of this is disgusting. And when I see things like that from Debbie Wasserman Schultz and Representative Linda Sanchez, I am more inclined to believe these whistleblowers. And we're going to keep following what it is they have to say. Keep it here. I'm Tony Katz. So I don't know if the top story in America is the debt limit or the top story in America is these FBI whistleblowers or it's the southern border. Remember the southern border? Oh, good time. Or as we discussed earlier, how come no one's talking about this Nashville shooter? Why can't I see a manifesto? For everybody else, we get to see everything. Somehow this person, this woman who claimed to be a man, we don't get to see anything. Well, I think we should see all the details at this stage of the game. I can't tell you what's the top story. All I can tell you is uh, we're going to keep covering it. And keep an eye out for my new book, Let's Go Barbecue. It's the second in the series. Let's Go Bourbon was the first, and that's at Amazon.com. Let's Go Barbecue, the second in the series, will also be at Amazon.com. We're going to be doing some book signings across central Indiana and maybe where you live as well. Find everything at TonyCats.com. Tomorrow, everyone, I'm sorry, Monday. Take care.